Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Templeton Elliott, and I'm joined this week by Mike Munzneider and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite to talk about Jacuzzi Unlimited's new video, Bonnie. But first, we've got writer and ripper Cole Nowicki here for a chat about his new book, Write Down, Circle, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Welcome back to the show, Cole. Uh, tell us what this book is about. Hey, thank you for having me back. Stoked to be here once again. Yeah, the book, I guess the elevator pitch of it is that it's essentially uh, a bit of a dive into the history of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, how it borrowed from skateboarding culture in its own sort of stilted way, as a video game does. And then over the course of its you know, monumental global success, in turn changed skateboarding culture itself. That's very concise. One thing that I, I don't know if I expected, Cole, and thanks for doing this, Welcome back, like Templeton said. Um, there's also some some personal anecdotes in there, and kind of like a not a not a narrative that involves yourself, but you know, you're personally involved with the story. Was was that part of wanting to write the book in the first place? Yeah, I mean, it's always got to be about me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think the personal bits, the memoir bits, for me, it, it's really my part of part of my story engaging with the game itself, and I think. I hope anyways helps uh, the reader connect with the story as well, because I think there is uh, multiple generations of skateboarders who either found out about skateboarding through the game uh, or the game helped change their perspective of skateboarding. And I think it's uh, universal experience is a bit of a strong term, but it's a, a pretty common one. And I think having that personal element woven throughout, I think helps make it an enjoyable read and not just like a kind of stiff history of a video game. I hope anyways. Cole, Jason here. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Fan of your uh, sub stack as well as the book. What I like about the book was how you kind of use it as a vehicle for like writing about skating uh, writ large. I kind of flagged a couple passages here. You're like, Oh, the educational labyrinth that is skateboarding cannot, will not ever in every pathway contains a minotaur. I thought that was kind of cool, but in terms as the uh, video game liaison of this podcast, uh, I got to ask you, what do you think in terms of game mechanics specifically, or maybe other shit made uh, THPS so addictive? That's a good question. And I think it, it really comes down to how simple it is. It's, it's the first four or five games and maybe even just the whole uh, franchise in general, there are, they are arcade games. Uh, very accessible. There's an anecdote in the book where when Tony was first being courted about a video game, he got pretty close to being the face of what would become Thrasher, Skate, and Destroy. But if you've ever played that game, you know that it's uh, close to an emulator and not the easiest one to get into. And then when he was approached by Neversoft about doing what became Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, uh, what really made it click for him was just how easy it was to get into the game and you know, you press two buttons and you're doing a kick, flip, crooked grind. You press a third button and maybe you're melon meloning out. <laughs> so I think it's the accessibility of uh, the gameplay mechanics that really helped it take off. I think there was a cool bit in there, not to begin just giving away the entire book. It was like that that original one that Birdman played. It was uh, Bruce Willis as the avatar, right? Yeah. So Neversoft got to make Tony Hawk's Pro Skater because... They kind of saved Activision's butt. Activision had been mired in the creation of a game called Apocalypse, which was, I don't think it was the first game, but one of the first games of its kind that starred uh, like a Hollywood A-lister, which was Bruce Willis. And it was this post-apocalyptic uh, shooter game. And it wasn't going very well. Never, the Neversoft team was brought in to save the game. They were able to do it in like nine months, ship it by Christmas which was quite a feat. And as a reward, they were given the opportunity to make whatever game they wanted. And they started working on a skateboarding game. And uh, when they pitched it to Tony, they used essentially the, the same data and mechanics that they had available, which was from Apocalypse. So the, the, the character renders that they had for the demo to show Tony was that Bruce Willis character skating through a post-apocalyptic wasteland with a shotgun on his back, which uh, <laughs> is amazing, actually. <laughs> is there anywhere that like you can see 
what that looks like? Like, are there like YouTube videos or anything like that where you can see Bruce Willis skating through an apocalyptic wasteland? Not that I've been able to find, unfortunately. Man, that's too bad. Listeners, if you've got got a link, hit us up. You'll get in the show notes, baby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Cole, how did this book come about? Did you pitch it? Did someone approach you? Was it on your mind for a while? I was thinking about pitching it to ECW, who's the publisher, because they have a series called Pop Classics that essentially just focus on uh, different items of pop culture, importance, movies, books, video games, that sort of thing. And I'd been sort of slowly putting together a book pitch, and then I got laid off from a job, so I had all this time. And then I sent it in, and yeah, that's that's essentially the story. Just get laid off, and maybe a book will come out of it. <laughs> Amazing. Get forced to finish the pitch. That's right. <laughs> oh, I always ask this to every writer that, that comes on the podcast. Like, what was your workflow like? Like, what program did you use? Like, Google Docs or uh, Scrivener? Or did you use, like, a separate, like, book editing program or shit like that? I tried Scrivener for a couple of years. I couldn't really get into it. Um, so just straight up Google Docs. Just laid out the structure of the book and then went chapter by chapter. There you go. All right. And I, I didn't you know, do a hard count on the bibliography, but you have a, I think, I think the technical term is a grip of sources in there. Like, how did you go about managing that since we're in the nitty gritty for the time being? Yeah, just, just a lot of footnotes while, while drafting up the book. Yeah. So just spent a lot of that laid off time, just reading shit, watching documentaries, uh, buying books. So yeah. So just like a lot of time spent in the weeds and then making sure I, I wrote down what I found in said weeds. Is, is there like a deepest part of the rabbit hole, the strangest source that you found yourself looking at and actually getting something? Does anything come to mind? The deepest rabbit hole? I mean, there's like a lot of random shit in the book, but this is, I think, to me, one of the more interesting things is actually the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater like sort of pseudo-documentary that came out a number of years ago. Because it's I feel bad crapping on folks. It's just like not a very good film, but it did it did have a lot of great information in it for my purpose. Yeah, but it was just like funny to watch this not very well constructed film tell this story. I don't know. I feel like I'm just slagging this movie off. It's it's great. I would suggest watching. You can buy it on iTunes. We'll link to that, it in that, the show notes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> off off the cuff question. So yeah, edit as need be. <laughs> Yeah, Cole, another aspect of this book is you kind of do an analysis of Tony Hawk's, I guess for lack of a better term, celebrity, you know, why he's so popular. Like, how do you account for that? Especially now, like, I don't know. I mean, I remember the age a little bit and it seems now he's even more popular now than he was back then, you know? Oh, yeah, he's he's broken through in a way that I don't think any skateboarder will ever do in terms of being in the pop culture consciousness he's in commercials for everything he's partnered with every brand he's got a a subway sub a chipotle burrito like <laughs> you can't you can't stop bagel this man. i don't know i don't know, if he's still, I don't know if he's still sponsored by bagel bites anymore but yeah he was for a while oh yeah he was a trail trailblazer on that front but he i think just was the right person at the right time um because he was already getting endorsements pre tony hawks pro skater and that just elevated his status to another level. I think he has in the past credited the video game to helping him sustain his career in this way because he's a very polished persona. I've never met the guy, but he seems like a decent person, which always helps. So there's not a lot of missteps. So he's a, he's a safe person to tie your brand to, which then you know keeps your longevity in uh, the marketing sphere, the, the pop culture sphere. And then in skateboarding, you know, he's... Just overall, in my opinion, just a good ambassador for the sport. Yeah. And, you know, like even stuff, the recent stuff where he's championing the, the vert contests that are coming back through the X Games. That's like clearly a passion of his. And those contests turn out very well. I'll always watch Jimmy Wilkins. Just give me any opportunity. Thank you for that, Tony. So I think he uh, I might be going on a bit of a tangent here, but I think he's done a lot of work to stay as relevant as he is. Some of that I'm sure is calculated, but I think a lot of it is also just he is genuinely passionate about skateboarding and likes to make money. Good on him. Who does? Yeah, I, 
I, I really enjoyed that. I think that was like chapter nine where you just kind of did like a character study of like, yeah, not early Birdman, but later Birdman and the arc of how he got famous, stays famous. And I, you know, I was reading it this afternoon, cramming for the test tonight, finishing up the book. And, you know, you you, you kind of, I think you said, you know, you had a great line about him being great at spin, obviously. And he's also just like, it's a balancing act. You know, he could, he could tip too far one way or the other and kind of lose it. And you brought up, I was waiting, I was hoping you would bring up the, uh, this is going to sound kind of crazy if you don't know what I'm talking about, the race war meme where, you know, he responds <laughs> to a tweet and it's just like the perfect response. And he's just basically legendary for it. More of a more of an observation than a question. And one more observation, and I think um, it might be a generational shift because, I, I mean, as evidenced by the book, you're a couple years younger than probably all three of us, Cole just to gang up on you. But um, the, the, the Birdman's Q rating, you know, he was instant God for people who were less initiated into skating when the game came out. For me, I'd been skating a couple years. And I knew who he, wa- who he was, but Tony Hawk was kind of like, yeah, he's old. He was famous in the 80s, whatever. And it was like a slower Q rating rise. It didn't coincide directly with the game, but by like the later 2000s, you're like, oh shit, this dude's really rad. He's still skating really well. It goes from there. So yeah, there's the prism of the game is different and works in different ways for different people. But I think he he did a really interesting job of identifying how it works. Yeah, and that's the thing too. It's definitely a generational thing because that's, Tony Ox Pro Skater has been around for as long as I've, skateboarded almost as long as i've been aware of skateboarding so that that is the prism that i see all of it through so i wasn't aware of tony when he was you know maybe getting getting teased on the deck of the vert ramp for uh whatever reason selling out etc but yeah yeah definitely uh told through a millennial lens i'm a millennial right i guess so yeah are we all millennials i think it is not me no, I'm Gen X, baby. Gen X, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm technically a millennial, though. But, I um, identify a Gen X. But speak, speaking, of, speaking of millennials, my brother is a millennial, and I started playing his uh, his copy of THPS on his N64, like when I was like when I moved home, like right after college. That stupid time period where like just graduated from college, don't know what the fuck you're gonna do. So yeah, that's what introduced me to, me to uh, the game. And I got like super fucking addicted to it. Of course, he never skated. He's a total like middle of the road like frack dude. But uh, yeah, he loved he loved the game. But crazy. Yeah, it it had that appeal, and I think that's the the arcadiness of it. It's like it's fun to just see how many points you can string together. Um, and then you got Goldfinger pounding in your head while you're doing it. <laughs> Oof. A lot. It's magic, alchemy. Yeah, I think. Me and my crew had a demo disc or two, because yeah, it was a Pizza Hut demo disc. Mm-hmm. I miss. I might. I probably misremembered it. I thought maybe it came with a video game magazine, but um, yeah, we went in hard on that. For like, it, it must have been what summer of was it ninety nine or? Uh, yes, I believe it came out in the summer, maybe early fall of ninety nine. That demo disc in the with the stuffed crust pizza. Excellent. Yeah, we were just like, you know, two-minute bits in the warehouse, passing the control around. Mm-hmm. Absolutely addictive. Did you did yeah. you ever play it, Templeton? No. Well, I mean, I played it, like, you know, my friends had it or whatever, but I'm, I'm like, pretty bad at video games. And my, my experience with the skate video games has always been, like, I see a ledge and I just want to do, like, oh, I just want to do, like, a backsmith on this thing. And it's, it's like, you know, I just mash the buttons and, like, some crazy shit happens and i'm just like i just want to like skate it like how i would if i was in this world and it just never really could work out for me but i definitely saw the appeal and um yeah i I get it but it's just like i think i'm going to be saying this a lot on this podcast ever since maddie introduced the idea of it's just not for me (laughs) (laughs) so that that was just kind of my experience with it i was just like yeah i don't think this is for me but it's cool that it exists and it's really cool that it has the cosine from Tony and from all these other pro skaters who are like the best in the world at the time. 
Yeah, I think one thing that's that's interesting about about yeah your book, Cole. Holy cow! Great intro to a question. The uh, significance of Kareem Campbell and Alyssa Steamer in the game. I think you did a great job of illustrating that and how you know. I think one of the theses of the book is that you don't get modern skating without Tony Hawk Pro Skater. So um, just thinking on the um, representation that Campbell and Steamer were. Was there a particular like story that you came across that that is like really indicative of how important those two being included in the game was? Yeah, I mean, came across a number of interviews with like everyone from like Leo Baker to Pharrell Williams talking about just how kind of uh, mind expanding it was to see Alyssa and Kareem in the game, respectively. And, you know, but what is it like two out of uh, 10 skaters are not uh, straight white dudes in the in the original game, which is not that's not not a great ratio, but you know still enough to I think inspire a lot of people. So I think they're you know we don't have hard facts or hard data, but I think their inclusion in the original game was quite important to a lot of people. Yeah, in terms of uh, you know inclusion representation that kind of thing, you kind of talk about how I might be getting this wrong, but how like Alyssa's character kind of led to more like female protagonists in video games in general could you talk about that a little bit yeah the the sort of argument that i make in the book is that because of the tony hawks pro skater franchise skateboarding in my opinion grew and had an even bigger audience more people doing it more uh i guess non-traditional skateboarders and that's probably an outdated term now but you know just women people of color lgbtq skaters eventually getting into skateboarding and i think that can be traced back to the popularity of the game and how accessible it made the idea of skateboarding to people and then as the years went went on and they kept making more games the demographics of skateboarding were slowly shifting and you know the developers started including uh more skaters than not not just like your straight white pros um and by the latest uh reboots of the game tony ox pro skater one and two i think it's like over it's like 50 percent or over 50 percent of the skaters the pro skaters in the game are women or people of color or trans skaters so it's that that's my loose argument in the book is that the game its success change sort of the, the face of skateboarding and that then changed the face of the game which is the, also the elevator pitch <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's not it's not uh, a cure-all representation is very important but it's not a cure-all because i think i was looking through the show notes and sorry to jump ahead jason but it's like you know you're playing cod and video game communities are fucking toxic as all hell oh yeah um and you know that's not going to change just because there are a few different characters in the game, but I think it is an important step. But, you know, I mean, like video game culture, gaming culture, I mean, the the current environment of these like online harassment campaigns, it all like stems from Gamergate, which is, you know, brewed up in the video game world. So it's like it's going to take a lot of work to change that if it can ever be changed. But, you know, small steps. Yeah, it, it's weird, like, with the whole Gamergate, not to get too deep into the weeds with the whole, uh, like, video game culture thing, but it, it seems like when, when you know, developers include, you know, more female protagonists or female, you know, operators, as in the case of Kai, it seems like people, like, take it personally, like, it's against them or some shit, you know? Yeah, it's uh, some, like, twisted, like, <laughs> incel shit, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my hot take. <laughs> something I, I don't think was mentioned in the book and also like i'm not super experienced with the game but in the original game couldn't you like basically win or like if you do something you get to see like a footy tape from each one of the the featured pros is that is that how the game works yeah you got uh you got their footage tapes were they their secret tapes anyways but yeah you got like little little video parts of each skater featured in the game and that was also like i was talking to someone over the weekend who was introduced to skateboarding through Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, and we were talking about the book. And he's like, "That was those were literally the first skate videos I ever saw were those like short, whatever they were, minute-long video parts that were just like kind of cobbled together from, you know, like Jamie Thomas's existing video parts, that kind of thing, which I think is also kind of a kind of a special wrinkle to it all, too. 
Was there any more story to that? Like, do we know how those edits came about or like did filmers get paid more for those things? Like imagine if you filmed one of those clips and then you got a royalty off of that or something. That I don't know, but that's a good question because when the first game came together, people were getting paid well, you know, like uh, the skaters in the video game fe- featured in the video game. Uh, I hope I'm quoting this correctly, but we're making like a hundred thousand dollars to be in the game. And I think maybe even royalties. So I would assume the filmers probably got some cash, but I can't can't confirm that. And I was I was gonna say on the video with video within the video game tip, like I know coming up, you know, you're skate obsessed and you track down your skate media no matter how you're gonna get it. But yeah, even in nineteen ninety-nine, that stuff was scarce. It wasn't on TV and anything like that wasn't getting into the X games. So yeah, it really just kind of like dawned on me how that would be a lot of people's first experience of like really fucking cool skateboarding as opposed to what you could easily get unless you knew where to find the really cool skating. How did you unlock the secret? I I assume that's what people refer to when they refer to the quote unquote secret tape. How did you unlock this footage in the game? Like what did you have to do? I believe you beat the game as that character. Oh, gotcha. That and if sense. I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of work to to watch a skate video. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was uh, uh, unless you were a big fan of that skater. You know, it's a pretty small, small carrot on that rather long stick. Cool. Another thing you get into the book is kind of uh, alongside, you know, your experience playing uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. You talk about your experience with other video games as well do you still you know game and if so what games are you playing at the moment oh yeah i'm i'm gaming well i, I just downloaded Baldur's Gate 3 oh right um, yeah so i haven't had much time to get into it yet but i just i spent like an hour and a half creating my character so i'm like a a half forest elf he's got some sage background but uh i kind of i just i play a lot of rpgs I like some of the point and clicks like Disco Elysium. I really enjoyed side scrollers, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I'll I'll play that again and again. Yeah. But uh that's that's kind of my wheelhouse wheelhouse when it comes to games. Right. Like RPGs and shit. And um oh you alongside other you kinda go through a whole history of pretty much every skateboarding video game of all time, which is kinda cool. And at the end you kind of bring up um skate four. No, not skate four, like EA skate as a kind of like more role-playing-ish take on a skateboarding video game. Along those lines, what do you know about Skate 4? We've been hearing rumors like for 10 years or something. Oh, yeah, they're they're working on it. Uh, it's just they're sort of rebranding. It's just Skate, period. Oh, right. um, so it's not in that in that uh, series. I have a couple friends who work on the game. Uh, I can't really oh, tell you cool. anything that's not in these... Uh, they put out a series of videos called The Boardroom, where it's like the developers and the designers uh, just talk about what's good, what's new and what's coming in the game. I think it's going to be pretty special, free-to-play, bit of open-world style. You can just have all your friends together and go skate throughout, I think it's San Vansterdam is the name of the city in the new one. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be pretty cool. Like The mechanics look very smooth, the skating mechanics. They got dime in the game. So you can you can be dressing. <laughs> um, <clears throat> tell us about the video game that was never really made. And yeah, this is another one at the end of the book where I have to say my mind was pretty expanded by the idea of perfect stride. Oh, what yeah. with it's like inverted Bill and Ted's excellent adventure scenario. Um, tell us about that one, please. Yeah, that was like a, an experimental indie game that. Uh, you can play it. You can play an unfinished version of it. You can download it from the Internet Archive. And when was it? Actually, actually, I have the tab open because I needed to refresh myself. Uh, so it was su- supposed to be out around 2013. And the premise is, if I can read from the uh, uh, description of the game, is it's a first-person skateboarding simulator where players can do skateboarding tricks and socialize. And it depicts... And like the... The storyline is it depicts what would have happened in an apocalyptic alternative universe in which pro skater Tony Hawk had never landed the 900 at the X Games and achieved widespread recognition and thus had never, quote, triggered an explosion of corporate skateboarding, end quote, leading to the rise 
in power of an immortal quote-unquote time wizard who then uses his abilities to prevent anybody from dying. And I guess your goal is to like first person skate yourself through this world to get the only remaining bullet left on earth to kill the time wizard. And then once they do, I guess, I don't know, maybe Tony goes back and he gets a few more tries after, after the timer goes off or something. Yeah, but that that's a wild one. Actually, I haven't played it myself, but I've watched some videos of people playing it, and it looks it's uh it's out there. Uh, yeah, the the call, nine uh, is wild high concept. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, who's the one of the guys who made it? Ben Esposito. They make some pretty wild uh, video games. One of my buddies, Chad Benson. I'll name check him here because it's it's a good theory. It has to do with the nine hundred, and it maybe discounts pro skater a little bit but he says there's like basically skaters can be split into two groups the pre nine as in 900 and the post nine i mean you you worked on a book that has a slightly different premise than that but does that carry any water you think i i think it does actually i mean the 900 was uh, a big pop cultural event at the time anyways it was if i'm not mistaken one of the first skateboarding tricks that like made it to to a sports center or sports net or whatever you have in the States. And it was a big moment. And just by uh, the grace of the good, good Lord above that happened before uh, like a month before the game launched, which was just like incredible promotion for the game. So it, it was a pretty era defining trick and there could very well be skateboarders who don't know or didn't know skateboarding before that. And that was their introduction to it. And skateboarding to them is just like, what, what is the pinnacle of human achievement on a skateboard and not like here's cool guys doing cool things in Embarcadero. So I think there could be, there could be that delineation there. Yeah. Didn't, that, was didn't long, someone, that was long winded. Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> didn't, didn't someone do a 1260? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Short shrift, man. Yeah. I've yeah, lost. I've lost track of that whole uh, progression. I, I was doing the math on a, the back of a napkin here. I, I think it. Yeah, I think it checks. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know that person's name because I think uh, the guy who was on Termite, he did the 1080. Uh, Mitchie, <laughs> Mitchie Brusco. Um, He's a good skater. He's a good skater. Yeah, and then I don't know who did the 1060 or whatever the the actual rotation is. The 12. But, uh, the 12. Yeah, I mean, congrats. That that was probably really hard. <laughs> yeah, I think it's diminishing returns with spins. You know, it's just like the more you spin, the less we care. <laughs> the snowboard <laughs> paradox. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we kind of didn't ask this earlier. Um, Cole, did you have to like, when you're writing about skating as an act and the experience of doing it, did you have to, or let's rephrase that, did you get edited to make it more accessible for the non-skater? Because I thought you did a fantastic job of, you know, putting into writing something that can be difficult to put into writing that is understandable to the masses. So did you have to like work that, rework it to make it more understandable? Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, definitely had to do a bit of tweaking to make sure everything was accessible. You know, there are some footnotes in there where I explain what a Benihana is and then explain that a Benihana is actually Benny Bonga. So, you know, there's, there's stuff like that in there. And then I tried to have fun with it while also making it accessible. Because, you know, writing about the act of skateboarding, uh, there are people who can do it well. I'm not sure if I'm in that ilk, but I'll sure try. I don't know. It's one of those things that's just hard to capture because it's such a personal experience. Uh, thankfully, the editor, my editor I worked with, was very cool and got to, got to get away with most of what I wanted in the book. I mean, there's like this, I don't even, I kind of just blacked out when I wrote it, but there's like this whole analogy uh, about like making making a salad or something that's in the book. I can't even remember what it is. I just, oh, yeah. Like, I don't even know why they let me do that, but I just I just did it. I don't even remember what it's relating to but I appreciate it. <laughs> Chicken Marsala? Yes, now we're talking. Thank you. When you, you had a quote that I highlighted, and I'll be done after this, Templeton, sorry, but that writing a skateboard, writing one feels like magic, a nightmare, and often both at once. That was like my skate experience last night, so that, that reverberated. Dude, dude, me too. That's exactly what happened last night. There's this new spot built in town here in Vancouver, and it's like this big hunk of concrete up to a barrier i love skating barriers this is my dream spot 
and just couldn't get anything off. None of, none of the warm up tricks, nothing. And I was like, this is beautiful. And I am so fucking mad right now. <laughs> Dude, I saw it on your story. It's quite an impressive DIY project. And I, I think it's interesting that there's just zero run up to it. Oh yeah. Uh, BMXers built it. Um, um, they, actually, they actually showed up to the spot and they're stoked to see us skating. And then like the one guy who built it, uh, he just blasts like a, an air that is literally like double the height of me <laughs> in this barrier and comes back in. It was, uh, this is great content for the podcast. It's describing spots that no one's seen. Um, <laughs> I saw it trust too. Me, it was, it was a big air. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of big air, do you think that, uh, Tony Hawk's pro skater. Do you think that the game like had an effect on actual real world skateboarding? I know that in the in the book, Tony kind of claims that it did, and I I wonder where you come down on it. Yeah, I mean that's that's one that's kind of hard to to nail down in any real way, but I would I would imagine so. Just giving people the opportunity to just play around and figure out tricks that could be possible. I think that does work for people. I can't. I'm just going off pure memory fumes here, but I remember like some sort of Joey Brzezinski interview years ago where he's talking about playing EA skate and how he'd figure out new manual combinations by just doing them in the game. So I think there is that aspect that could be true, that playing the game did help skateboarding evolve in that sense, but I can't can't confirm it, can't claim it, but uh, maybe I will. Yeah, it did. There we go. <laughs> that makes me think about like has anybody ever been on a trampoline with a deck you ever done that am i yep. the only one okay no yeah thank, me too th- thanks for speaking up guys <laughs> like <laughs> I-, I learned nolly inward heels on a trampoline deck must have been two years before i could do it on an actual skateboard and i don't know that's a physical act more so more more of a physical act than playing the video game but like just that kind of like unlocking in the brain because every now and then it's rare but like you can think of the way to do a trick you haven't been able to figure out and that's like that unlocks it you know well yeah i'll I'll tell you what just off the top of my head in the in the game was was kareem's ghetto bird was that like a hard flip late backside 180 yep yeah yeah so that that became a thing after that and like a few years later like everyone started doing them like uh well, Chris Joslin, one of his signature tricks, like a few years later, and was like, I, Andrew Pot, if you remember him, mm-hmm. did them all the damn time. So I, I think that, you know, that's only one example, but it's kind of how, like, in ter- just in terms of like tricks and, you know, what's popular and whatnot, it kind of introduced that into the, the trick of lexicon. I, I mean, up a little bit. beyond that, I got one word for y'all overcrook. Oh, oh God, dude. <laughs> or Ollie North. Oh, you know, yeah, overcrook. Yeah, that's that's the dividing line right there. Like people, like <laughs> like people like my age are like overcrook isn't a thing. Like it's stupid. It's just people, the way you frontside nose grind a bar. Exactly. Yeah, and then people like you know who came came up with the game. They're like, no, backside overcrook. Like front frontside overcrook. Like what? That's funny. Well, backside overcrook is a thing, but frontside overcrook is just a nose grind. Yeah. Gersh grind. Gersh grind. This is too controversial. I'm not touching this. <laughs> you got books to sell, dog. <laughs> yeah. Should we say, just in case we forget it at the end, how can people buy your book, Cole? Uh, the book is officially out on September 26th. You should be able to get it at your local bookshop, wherever you are. Or you can order it from there. You can order it from my publisher, ECW Press, and it'll be all at all the usual devils, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, that kind of thing. Yeah. And if you if you buy it, thank you. I hope uh, hope you like the thing. Yeah, it's worth buying. Go go get you it. liked it. Oh, and I think Templeton, you wanted to mention it's short. It's very digestible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm like a bad reader and I, I came very close to finishing the book before <laughs> today's interview. Closer than any other so book that we've uh, interviewed someone about. So you don't know the twist at the end? I don't. <laughs> I'm staying. I'm, my lips are sealed, yeah. buddy. Yeah, listeners will have to just buy the book to find out what the twist is. There we go. <laughs> this is this is marketing. <laughs> you, sir, are a spin master Ooh. on the level of man. Speaking of marketing, there's a new brand on the market, Jacuzzi Unlimited. 
Their first video offering, Moni, serves as a 17-minute introduction to the brand. Jason, as our resident brand narrative interpreter, can you like interpret the the brand narrative that we that we got in this Jacuzzi Unlimited video? It's back. It's back, y'all. The party boy lifestyle is back. But yeah, the brand narrative is it's it's kind of like tilt mode, like tilt mode, the board brand, kind of filtered through weird 80s style music and you know 80s style design. Kind of like there are all these Instagram accounts like chasing neon dreams, like. 80s this 80s that that you know show all those like one of the board graphics there's some like picture of some some lady like sail like windsurfing you know all like 80s graphics neon colors that kind of thing um i dig it man you know like y'all know me like i, I love jacuzzis i'll hang out in jacuzzi all day <laughs> like on the roof of my gym at the outer banks wherever so uh it's funny it's kind of like like it couldn't be more of a contrast to say like the other recent big vid like the huff vid which is you know super serious and kind of artistic but you know they're both sick in in their own way so yeah i, I dig it man the party boy lifestyle is back <laughs> where do you fall on this mike i think i gotta you know just shout out the homie west sportmanteau never know how to say his twitter handle but you know it's like the binge drinking company it's it's back <laughs> now that we don't have enjoy anymore <laughs> now that i got that out of the way i got to look at my notes but I, it, it's funny i you know tilt mode and joy were kind of reactions to a hyper serious early 2000s you know Jamie Thomas going one more try after a 50 and Ty Evans making you know the struggle montage in the middle of the the trans world video i honestly don't know how relevant that is right now. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it isn't. But I'm probably saying it is relevant because it does vis-a-vis the Huff video, like Jason was saying, is something to contrast it with. I liked it. I was like, who are these European kids? And they're all Americans. Um, <laughs> I had that, that experience too. Yeah, that Paluzzi's really rad. That backside 180 nose grind pop over to fakey on like a tightly suspended wire was incredible. That's his. Uh, that's his shtick, right? That's his specialty. Like, I mean, he's those. a flat bar wizard, and I guess the wire is like the ultimate boss of right, right. flat bars. Yeah, yeah, that's that's big Bowser there. But um, no, it, like you know, you could kind of see it was a continuation of Enjoy, but then uh, I think Paluzzi's from Pizza Skateboards, yep. and um, who else? They had John Delo from he was on almost prior if i remember yep that's right i'm trying to go off the cuff so it's like you know yeah they're they're like picking up where a lot of the dwindles i don't even know where pizza was out of sorry now i'm digressing cool constructed team there was a lot going on in that video but they have a thing going i just looked at the boards like somehow in my prep i didn't think to look at the boards and it was like okay this all makes sense does it make sense cole um I'm not so sold that it makes sense. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the video. I thought it was fun. I thought the skating was great. Um, Gus, Gus Bus, what's his last name? Just Gus Bus. But his back 360 into Jerry's Rock, uh, Jerry Sue's Rock, that was that was something else. But from like a brand identity perspective, I mean, yeah, they're trying to carry that uh, legacy of fun, good times that Enjoy had. But I don't know. They maybe just need more time to develop it because right now it just kind of we're, we're just partying. We got our night footage B-roll. So I'm not sure they're there yet. And also, I think the Jacuzzi logo is, it's almost the same styling as the hard body logo. It's just like a italic serif yeah. Um, I think the hard body logo might be bold, which is the only difference. So I don't know. I, the board graphics, I think, are, are pretty cool. But uh, in terms of the video's aesthetic, I think this is good and bad, but it feels like something I would make with my friends, which is that it feels relatable and comfortable. But I it doesn't to me yet anyways feel like a a fully fleshed out idea i I felt like it was it was pretty like it it had a pretty solid brand narrative i feel you know like jason said it's like the party boy brand and like one of the notes that i had is like weird guys who are fun is kind of like who's on the team uh i kind of prefer my weird guys to be more uh rooting i guess or more like weird guys who are cool or artsy or something that's my more my flavor of weird like a uh like a sean pablo type he's maybe Nestor not Duncan, quite right? weird enough 
I don't know. I, I was thinking of like quasi is kind of like weird guys who are cool. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the binge drinking thing is weird. It seems like drinking is, and especially smoking cigs are like the most, most out there transgressive things you can do. Like, <laughs> I think, I think drinking is more frowned upon than weed. Like, you know, like I said before, like a weed is like a glass of white wine, basically. You just made me, you just that? made me think of, you just made me think of a brand centered around smoking cigs <laughs> like camel ass graphics and mm. just like like you know some fools playing pool and it looks dope as fuck and you wish you were there i think no no might be on to something yeah right? dude I, I i like it maybe some marlboro man vibes a very quick tangent i had a buddy who or i have a buddy who He's an ad man, and they are notoriously, you know, without scruples. He worked for an agency that did cigarette advertising, and the entirety of their work process had to be, I don't think, turned over, but they needed to give a version of it to the U.S. federal government because that's how tightly um, regulated cigarette advertising is now. And, like, the, just the entire process, all that work product turned over to the government. So that might be a you know a hindrance to a sig smoking based skateboard brand. Yeah, I'll bet we could get Damn. some shadow funding from R.J. Reynolds or R.J. Reynolds. You know, yeah, I'm, uh, listen, I'm in uh, Richmond, Virginia. The headquarters of Philip Morris is like a stone's throw away from here at uh, Frozen Carbonite headquarters. So who knows? But um, my sig yeah. brand skateboard brand tagline is they're toasted. I'm just stealing it from <laughs> Mad Men. There you go. But um, I think well, one problem with, with the vid is, and I, I forgot who said it's either Mike or Templeton in the nose, was that the people with the most footage are Casual Barry. No, not Casual Barry. I'm sorry. Um, Louis Barletta, who's like X years old, like no one knows his age, but he, he's up there. And John Dilo, a.k.a. John DiLorenzo, who was like an established killer before. So I think like some of the some of the dudes who were Stone Cold Killers before should one would think they would have had more footage like Jackson Pills. I don't know what happened to him. Like he used to be like a Stone Cold assassin, and he just has like one trick. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he was injured or something. Who knows? Yeah, I do want to shout out. I don't know how old this clip was. It's hard to tell with Louis because we don't know how old he is. But that feeble grind. I think it was a hard flip back into the bank. That was. And he has like a, a mullet wig on. Um, <laughs> that that one uh, definitely made me audibly gasp when watching it. Yeah, that's yeah. a wild one. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, that's like anti-gravity thrusters to get forward while hard flipping. Oh, yeah. Into a bank. Yeah, it was, it was fun to see some Barletta footage. Like, yeah, however old he is. And it just dawned on me. You could, I don't know if like California criminal records are online, but you could probably get a DOB by searching those. You could definitely try it in Minnesota. Yeah, every I, I think every state they're like their current records are online by now. Yeah, so if he's got, would, I, I think citation. I, I think you have done to, crimes. I think you. <laughs> I, I think you have to know the county so you know which like municipal website to go to. See, in but, Minnesota, you get you you can search the entire state. Oh, Minnesota. that's cool. Yeah, I can make but, some of my friends really anxious. <laughs> yeah, let, let's get into the. Uh, like individual, I mean, it's just a promo to introduce the brand. So you know what I mean. I'm not going to go too crazy, but like, um, like to this Tony Latham guy. I feel like there's a lot of dudes that look like that with like the same hair and a mustache. Like that guy from that one show on like Comedy Central or something. I don't know. It's, yeah. Um, I don't know oh, what the you're guy. We're talking about. Workaholics. Yeah. Yeah. Workaholics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jackson Pills. That guy Tony Marone is awesome. Joey Marone. Joey Marone. Not Tony. Yeah, that's his brother. But yeah, I, I've seen. I think I've seen better footage of him in like other Philadelphia videos. He's a naked guy, right? Yeah, the the old Red Hot Chili Pepper uh, trick, right? That old old party trick. So what skate ad was that with the with the socks? Oh God, it was like Ron like Allen. It's ancient. No, it was a no. It was a fun ad. It was a fun ad and slap. Okay. Did Joey fall on his penis? <laughs> that's the question we need answered. No, he ollied a, a can at uh, <clears throat> at Muni in the buff. No, he he bailed before that though. Yeah, he had one oh, of those push. Did, yeah. 
pushing ones where like the board goes crooked, but your body wants to go straight, and you just mm-hmm. you just go down. And he rolled. He rolled on all the parts. Hope he's okay. Damn. Um. What else? Oh yeah, that one guy who does a fakey big spin over a gap. Uh, just wrote it like oh, I can't condone that trick. Yeah, John John G. Lorenzo was sick, but it seems like he's into this whole weird like manual like vortex, and he's like the only guy that does that shit. It's like he uh, it's like he's learned study something for two hundred years, and he's perfected it, and like no one cares really. There, you know what I mean. <laughs> I think previously I was like, damn, that's a very arbitrary manual. <laughs> Some of it's, it's too thick. Like what goes? I mean, like his thought process has got to be crazy. Well, he does over at Machba the big block switch heel, and then it's. I mean, on me, I'm sure it's probably like a neck high drop, and he lands in switch manual, and he perfectly balances it and snaps out. And you're like, well, that is kind of an arbitrary manual, but it's also in really incredible. Oh yeah, I think in a different video, doesn't he go over the block just switch ollie to manual switch flip out? Like he's he's definitely. Oh, I wouldn't it. doubt it. Yeah, that sounds like something he would do. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go on record as backing this guy because like that mm-hmm. switch front side heel over the bump to bar, yeah. that was crazy. He does that nolly nose grind and like lands with like a gigantic like crack, like someone fired a shotgun. That was pretty aggro. Yeah, I, I feel so, yeah. like if he if he like dialed his tricks a little bit differently or his trick selection a little bit differently, he could be on primitive. You know, like he's got the yeah, skills yeah, clearly. Yeah. Like, you know, if he just chose a few different tricks, he's 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 there. You know, gold board. Yeah, he's definitely in that uh, arena. He's got to get he's got to get rid of the Yale sweatshirt though. What is uh, what is ours is yours? Because that's that's Brian Herman's company that he rides for. Yeah, that's can shoes. you get those, can you can you get those shoes anywhere? That might be a, a question for the Americans on the podcast. We don't, I haven't, we don't I haven't shit up seen here. them in a shop. I believe they have carried them at Familia here in town. Ooh. One or two models that I that I recall them Instagramming and then seeing in person. Yeah, I've never seen them in person. And I don't think any of the shops that I follow on Instagram have ever posted about them. I mean, yeah, that's that's also something that's, you know, the way the world works these days. That's kind of working against him in the, you know, in the industry, like not being on a big shoe brand. I think it used to be, I think he used to be on Adidas or something. Yeah, I think he was always yeah. like not quite on. Right. right. Yeah, it's it's wild how they're such extremely talented pros who are just stuck in that nether region of sponsorship. Because yeah, I think he he's a dude that could break through and maybe has I don't know, but he definitely doesn't have the uh, uh, the A tier sponsors that uh, that you would expect him to. Yeah, I mean, I think he just he just lacks some unquantifiable thing that other people have you know like on paper he's unfuck withable but there's just something about him that, you i know. mean okay so he does 5-0 kickflip on one ledge off stairs on the other side of the ledge off stairs he does switch 5-0 kickflip and it's like whoa those were mere images put him in some uh tiagos does it change your opinion you know i it, it's like individually the tricks are awesome it's just like just something about it is just like not for me. I don't know. Just pulling the Maddie just card. Like Cali kid <laughs> vibes or something. Or is he he's from not Florida? from Cali though. He's from Florida. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he's just too good. You know, you reach a level when you're too good. It's not interesting to watch. Like a ten, twelve, sixty. Maybe he's maybe he's spun too far. I, 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 yeah, I'm building off what you're saying, Cole. It's like I remember a previous video part of his. Where he ollies a bump to bar. It's not like a towering one, but all bump to bars are inherently high. So there's there's that. Bump to bar to nose wheelie and frontside nollie flip out off a curb. And there's like the impossibleness of me or anyone not named John Delo doing that. But then there's like the well, does that make sense? Does that add up? Like is are are like are the some of the parts less than Right, it's like an inappropriate mix of like power and finesse. Yeah, it just doesn't compute, and maybe maybe we're all of a of a different of a different time and a different place where it's not hitting, and maybe we're just completely completely wrong on this. But I don't know. There's the ultimate hedge, but I don't know. I mean, I'm the, also the sponsor list speaks. 
I don't want to. I don't want to go so hard on the sponsor list personally, just because it's hard out there, man. Like it is. It is. Yeah, I'm going to go on the record and say that I think he's very sick. I I back him for sure. So I'm playing both sides of it. Yeah, same. But uh, yeah, he needs. I think it would be cool if he dialed back the manual, like flip uh, flip in over stuff to manual, manual out of lead tricks type shit. I mean, we've gone on record as saying that's like we're not fans of that whole um, subgenre of tricks. So. Yeah, his, his gap skating, skating, but I'm pretty sure we we all have. I'll I'll co-sign and just say his gap skating is incredible. Oh yeah. Um, a, again, a different part. Uh, everything in there in that jacuzzi section is solid as hell. I'm thinking of like a switch backside 180 out of an apartment block, like off the second floor down down onto the sidewalk. Like, oh yeah, that switch backside 180 in Atlanta was so sick. Like nollie field over the rail. Like if you just did like straight power tricks, be a whole new story. I think. This is yeah, it's the most academic of quibbling right now. It's great. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> that's what people tune into this show for. They're, I'm sure they're they're very stoked to hear uh, hear us in the weeds on John Delo. With that, we come to the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on. Cole, do you have anything that you're stoked on this week? Oh, I, I made I made a few notes. I think I am most stoked on this week is meeting friends from the internet in person. Uh, I was recently on a trip. My partner and I, we went, took the train down from Vancouver to Portland and then from Portland to San Francisco. And, you know, we hung out with a uh, previous guest on the show, Al Brown. That was great. Hung out with you, Templeton. That was amazing. Uh, we went for ice cream. You didn't get ice cream. That's fine. I know. Um, I should have. I regret it. <laughs> no, uh, I don't know. What I had wasn't that great. So I think you probably made the right decision. And then, you know, like went down to ask. It's just, I don't know meeting strangers from the internet always doesn't on its face doesn't sound like the the best proposition but uh there's just so many good folks out there uh who are so hospitable and who really made the trip great like hung out with ted barrow and jose vadi and sf and uh looked at the cardiel ledge and it was good that's a bit of a ramble but I, I like people from the internet that's that's what i'm stoked on this week and also trains took the train down oof that was good Nice. Uh, Jason, what are you stoked on this week? Uh, we just talked about venture team writer John DiLorenzo. So along those lines, we're stoked on venture trucks. Forged in San Francisco, California. Um, as of the recording of this program, I'm going to see Crowbar tomorrow night here in Richmond. So I'm stoked on that. Stoked on a little video out of Prague. Uh, this video was profiled on Quarter Snacks by the, I think it's SID and not SID. I'm not sure. But it's that crew came out with a video filmed entirely at Stalin Plaza called STA. And I don't know, they skate parts of that place that I've never even seen before. And I watch pretty much every Stalin video that comes out. So it's pretty crazy. And um, stoked on one of the one of those little primitive edits called Testing. This one's Testing Six. And I think with this one, they introduced that guy Johnny Hernandez on the team. Don't know what team that guy, don't know what board brand that guy was on before. I know he was on uh, Soltech. But he's pretty sick. He does a pretty crazy laser flip. One of the best one of those I've seen in a while. So stoked on that. Mike, what are you stoked on this week? I'm stoked on, very much stoked on right now. Listening to Bell and Sebastian in September, I uh, at one point designated September as their month. It very much is. Uh, Arab Strap is probably the most autumnal album out of all of theirs. I feel like the the three, four album run after Sinister is like peak back in school leaves are changing i was a little stressed out this afternoon put on um kind of that run of arab strap uh fold your hands gosh i'm just being like a bell and sebastian asshole right now i listened to it and did the dishes and it was great that was really nice listen to them if you're if you feel it i'm also re-watching buffy the vampire slayer i'm stoked on that i think i've i've said that before as a stoked on but I love that series. I've been finding people on Twitter, other skaters who also love it, and that's very fun. And then, oh, and I should say, yeah, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is also an um, autumnal activity because they always end up back in school. Yeah. <laughs> um, also stoked on, more seriously this time, um, podcast alum, early guest host, Max HC, a.k.a. Low Impact, um, a.k.a. Max Harrison Caldwell. He did a radio story for the world about 
student visas and how the system to get into the U.S. to study as a foreign student is all gummed up. Max is a rad skater. Uh, he hit me up years ago for just a little journalism advice. He's now way more uh, accomplished in it than I am because he got his first radio story on the world, which is distributed by PRI and can be found on public radio across the nation. Just rad for skaters to be doing cool stuff. He has a voice for radio. I was very interested, having met him at uh, Slow Impact, to know, like, what's he going to sound like? Seamless. I thought he'd been doing it for years, so congrats, Max. Templeton, what are you stoked on this week? I'm stoked to listen to Max's story on the world. That's kind of amazing. But I'm also stoked on an incoming new computer. This will probably be the last episode recorded and edited on 2015 MacBook Air. Very excited to have a brand new MacBook Air with M2 chip coming. It's going to be really fast, and maybe it'll make editing this podcast a little bit faster, but probably not that much faster. Um, but yeah. Yo, are we going to sound like the bunt after you get a new computer? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to come with the air horn, like. Burr, burr, burr. Uh, Jason's probably sick. got that, like a Control F9. Oh, yeah. Sick. Yeah, I'm excited for a new computer. Uh, that's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out mostlyskateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about and other show notes. Till next time, you can keep up with us all week online. Uh, Jason, where can the people find you? On the Twitter or whatever they call it now, at Carbonite1994, on Instagram, at FrozenCarbonite, and writing the stuff for ChorusNext.com. Uh, new feature this week, 2023 edition of the Song of the Summer X video part of the Summer Series. And uh, it's got some more stuff coming pretty soon, I guess. Uh, Mike, where can the people find you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram, at mmunzenrider. Just set up a Blue Sky account, because Twitter's kind of underpopulated right now. Either y'all got to start posting or figure out how to get on the Blue Sky. But you can't do old clip Thursday on Blue Sky, because there's no clips. So that's a problem. Uh, Cole, Cole, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me at Cole and the Wiki on Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky, and my Substack, SimpleMagic.substack.com. It's a fantastic Substack. Yeah, everyone Dude, go how, subscribe to the Substack. How do you put a, How do you put out so much stuff, bro? Uh, I just figured out the formula that works. It's like I, the the. I, do you want me to get into it? I know we're trying to wrap up the show, but I'll, yeah. What's I'll, your What's your routine, I'll, real quick? Yeah, yeah get into like, it. Like, um, Okay, so the weekly newsletter, uh, there's five segments. So I start on Sunday and I do one segment per day up until Thursday. And then I do just a big edit of the whole thing. And then I put it out on the Friday. So it's just a little bit of writing each day. And that's that's the uh, that's the formula. Damn, it's that easy. Wow. Well, that's it for our show this week. I'm sure you can find Damn me on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah. You guys know at this, at this point. Um, yeah, that's it for our show this week. You know where to find us. Yeah, that's it. Cool. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. Uh, this has been fun. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on again. Always a blast chatting with y'all. And uh, yeah, have a good rest of your evenings. Thanks. Bye, Cole's book. Yes. Subscribe to the newsletter. All the things. All no, right. no pressure, but I'd appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> the most Canadian throw it out. I'm sorry. <laughs> I held it until the end where it might be edited out. <laughs> I have I don't even have ill will against Canadians. Like you can do whatever you want. It'd be nice. So. If you want me, I'll be there boy. To do with all your hard problems, but part of the deal is for you to feel something. If you want me, look me up. I don't exist in usual places. So that's the wind. It's great If you want me, you know where I am I saw your eyes in a dream And they were blue veins, blue, blue veins If you want me, all you have to do Is ask me Oh